on 96.7 on your FM dial. You're listening to, well, the program is called QOL, Quality of Life. Now, as you know, that is a very all-encompassing uh, topic. It could be everything from wine to, well, today, travel. Dr. David Edgel is going to, well, he's our guest to talk a little bit about what's happening in tourism and travel today and what's probably going to happen in the near future and what perhaps even the news of today, the implications of that for the future. David, let me ask where you teach. I um, have been teaching at East Carolina University most recently. Prior to that, I did some teaching at the George Washington University in Washington, D.C. when I was um, working in Washington, D.C. But I just retired in 2019 and For me, there's a very good reason. Our university was switching to online courses, partly because of the uh, virus situation. I only teach uh, when I have a face-to-face in the classroom. I don't enjoy online teaching, and so I said, well, that's fine. I'll just uh, retire and get to work on my books. So that's what I'm doing. Uh, That's marvelous. So we will talk about the books, but your area of expertise is travel and tourism, is it not? Yes. Uh, I've been working in this industry for more than, oh, 45 years. Uh, I've more recently concentrated a lot on uh, sustainable tourism because I just feel that that's uh, a major direction we've got to take in the travel industry for the future. I've covered all the areas on trade, tourism, and economic development uh, from a tourism perspective for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Now, your work, as it does say, is sustainable tourism. That kind of has a buzzword, and there's been a bit of greenwashing in that area as well. People stick logos on things that, and they, I'm just thinking about all the hotels I stay in. It says, you know, do your bit. Uh, we won't change your towels or, or pillowcases or whatever. Uh, that's really not sustainable tourism, is it? All of that helps, uh, and certainly any thing that we can do to cut down the greenhouse gases and so forth uh, is a help. My uh, concern with respect to sustainable tourism is making sure that our destinations are sustainable in the sense that we're protecting uh, the flora and fauna and uh, we are not desecrating the environment that we're working in. So my concern is more destination oriented and uh, however uh, anything that the hotels airlines and others can do to to uh, cut down on uh, greenhouse gases or otherwise to uh, make the environment a better place uh, well, that in, your, in your 40 plus years of, of research and, and involvement in this in your various roles we see we you and I have both seen uh, for example Airplanes becoming more fuel efficient, materials used on planes becoming better. Of course, now let's go to COVID. I mean, everything's packed in plastic and, and we, we're flying planes that are practically empty, although we've cut routes. Gosh, you must be seeing some, some incredible changes right now. Uh, we'll deal briefly with COVID because we want to talk about the future as well. I, and I agree. There's been a lot of information on uh, COVID-19. I'm uh, suggesting uh, some new legislation in the United States post-COVID-19. You know, one of the, the problems, uh, obviously, has been uh, the impact on the tourism industry. Here in the United States, uh, in 2018, we had 7.5 million people working in the travel and tourism industry. 
that's uh, about a quarter of that uh, uh, today. And uh, so the industry has been somewhat uh, devastated. Uh, we've had other ups and downs uh, throughout the last 40 or 50 years, but uh, this is the worst that I've uh, been been involved with. Has so, this... Uh, has, you know, we've, we've got a lot of work to do. Of course. So has this created perhaps an opportunity as well as, I mean, many challenges to rethink, to reset, to to begin, not to replay, but to basically reorganize. And again, your word of sustainability is is maybe part of this. Is is the future of tourism different than it was in the past, or is it more of the same? No, I, um, it's going to be different. Uh, first of all, and, and you're absolutely right, we can take advantage of the fact that the situation has changed as a result uh, of the virus. And so it's time to uh, implement new ideas and look to the future. Uh, we've got some things happening in the future, even as we're dealing with the virus. For example, space tourism. That's, mm. that's moving ahead. And uh, that's going to be a concern in the future. Also, uh, what you mentioned about the airplanes, uh, yes, we've done a great job the new airplanes with the and some of the old airplanes with the retrofit of new engines have cut down uh, greenhouse gas by about uh, three quarters or about 75 percent. So the new aircraft and some of those that have been retrofitted are much uh, more sustainable for the future. Uh, but uh, still, we've got uh, we've got a lot of problems. Definitely, and composite materials and and spun materials. The wings are made out of more flexible. We're discovering new. You know, I think about the seventy. You just said seventy five percent. I wonder if in forty years, no, you and I won't be having a conversation necessarily. But if somebody's doing a program like this will say, you know, we've cut back seventy five percent from two thousand twenty levels. There is still room for improvement. There's plenty of room for uh, improvement. And we're seeing these kind of technology changes taking place uh, every day. Uh, uh, I mean, just over the last five years, we have seen so much change in our technology in all fields related to travel and tourism. Uh, actually, um, over the last five years, it's changed as much as the 45 or 50 years I've been working in the travel industry. So we constantly have to update, look at the future, and uh, see the future from a broad quality of life perspective. Uh, mm. That's the key. It, it if, is. If imp- yeah. If we don't improve the quality of life, let's don't do it. Right. And, quality of life uh, for the traveler, plus also the, the recipients of that, uh, the tourism as well. I'm thinking about Caribbean islands where we walked in, we built airports, we we got rid of mangrove. Uh, the word swamps, the, the wrong word for it. Uh, and then there was devastation by, by, uh, by hurricanes. And, and uh, uh, you know, we went in and we paved paradise in many cases. David, do, you, do major players in the industry, in the travel tourism industry, say, David Edgel, can you come and help us figure out what's best in, in going forward? Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because I have had postponed uh, within the last six months, three projects, um, and and I think I can can speak to one of those at least uh, without violating uh, any principles. The University of the uh, Bahama Islands wants to develop a Master of Science degree in sustainable tourism, and uh, they had contacted me um, um, 
late last year about uh, coming down and helping them set up a master's degree, which I set up at East Carolina University. Well, uh, as you can probably guess, it's all on hold now. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Bahamas has had suffered uh, economically. They, uh, the hurricane uh, part of it came through. So a lot of those projects that I had planned to do, uh, one in Spain, uh, the one in the Bahamas, another one in the United States, have all been uh, put on hold and may or may not happen in the future, depending on uh, circumstances. Uh, so I tried to do three or four kind of consulting projects along that line of stuff that I'm in, uh, involved with and I enjoy. I don't do anything that that I don't enjoy doing. If I'm not having fun with it, I don't do it. Oh. <laughs> and that's, that's, yeah. that's brilliant. We're going to talk about your book in just a moment. This is Hugh Cruzel, and the program is QOL, or Quality of Life. My guest today, Dr. David Edgel, he is an emeritus professor of trade, tourism, economic development, research scholar, Center for Sustainable Tourism, East Carolina University, and a charter member of the International Academy for the Study of Tourism. David Edgel, you're working on a book, or books. Maybe Maybe it's two at the same time, I'm not sure. Well, um, I finished a, uh, a book in 2019 on uh, managing uh, the, the whole area of tourism and looking to the future. And then in 2020, I finished the book on managing sustainable tourism, a legacy for the future. And now I'm working on my first non-academic kind of book called The Worldly Travelers, uh, going back at the very beginning of of travel back to Herodotus uh, in Greece uh, several thousand years ago, and how as a result of these worldly travelers, they changed the world. And um, I move uh, forward from uh, ancient Greece right up to uh, more modern times, although uh, I sort of stopped uh, in the century of 20. Uh, 2000. You're right. People uh, wanted so, to go. People wanted to go and see the Colossus of Rhodes. They wanted to go and see the seven wonders of the world, ancient wonders of the world. You know, tourists today uh, do, though, have often agendas. They want to see as many countries as possible. There's a bit of a checklist. Uh, you know, oh, have you been to Ibiza? Oh, you haven't been to Ibiza. You haven't been anywhere if you haven't been to Ibiza. Uh, you know, uh, has. Is that still? I know Bruce Puntip at, at G Two G Adventures. He he's trying to also do things where people say it's not about the quantity; it's about the quality of the tourism. I uh, I agree a hundred percent. And some countries have taken a good hard look at that and have changed their policies. Denmark's a good example. Uh, Denmark has been very concerned about too many international visitors visitors coming and maybe desecrating the environment, but also impacting on the culture. And Denmark said, we don't want that to happen. We, we, want, to, we want to keep our area and so forth very much Danish. Uh, and Spain, uh, Barcelona has uh, implemented some new concerns uh, with respect to international tourism and quality of life for the citizens of Barcelona. So we're seeing these kinds of changes taking place across the world where quality of life, both the visitor as well as the local person, mm-hmm. uh, is, is the key. I know, I know Venice uh, certainly put a, a restriction on the number of ships that come in. I mean, 
Okay, uh, you know what? I, I'm sure you've done a lot of research on on cruise ship tourism. I mean, the boats got bigger and bigger. The impact of those, particularly on Caribbean islands or places like Venice, you know, you you offload three thousand visitors and and multiple ships. That is incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Uh, it's had both. Uh, I mean, there's um, positive and negative to the concern with cruise ships. And there's no segment of the tourism industry that has been harder hit with the environment than the cruise ships. Um, I think we're going to see a complete change in that industry as well. Uh, the cruise ship industry, part of the tourism industry, was um, the fastest growing component. And, of course, now everything's sort of put on hold. But, um, yeah, the, the cruise ships have just gotten bigger and bigger so what has happened in some respects is the cruise ships have bought their own islands, for example, in the Caribbean. Uh, it gives them additional income, and at the same time, it's not having as large an impact on some of the island destinations. And yet many... And that has both positive and negative uh, impact. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, many countries and regions within countries, uh, I'm thinking regions that are perhaps somewhat disadvantaged, uh, you know, they look to tourism as this this possibility of becoming a phoenix, of, of rising from the ashes of what other... Maybe, maybe it was sugar, maybe it was mining, maybe it was forestry, and they go... Oh, tourism is going to solve everything for us, and and that's not true, is it? It's not, and and some of the Caribbean islands, of course, uh, really depend on tourism. Again, the issue is, can we have quality tourism and the right kind of growth? I was the uh, first commissioner of tourism in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Seventy percent of our economy in the U.S. Virgin Islands depended on tourism. We had to figure out new ways to. Uh, increase visitation to other islands than just the main islands in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Um, and um, Bahamas is doing that as well. Uh, they're trying to uh, use their expansion in travel and tourism into islands that were not getting uh, any visitation. Mm. So we're seeing some, some big changes, um, and um, I think we're going to see a lot more, particularly in the Caribbean. And and perhaps even think of Canada. I mean, you're in America right now, but we depended so much on, on our own cousins to the south to come and visit the Rockies, come to Vancouver, come and watch a ball game in Toronto. Uh, I think just as, as America, <laughs> Florida, I'm thinking about particularly, or California, depended on Canadians in some cases, particularly parts of Florida, uh, that, uh, you know, it's just not happening. David, let's spend just a moment talking about the impacts. Are you reaching out to colleagues? Are colleagues reaching out to you and saying, this is a disaster? I'm getting uh, something from someone in the tourism industry every single day. Uh, um, I'm a member of lots of different organizations and have been active uh, for a long time. And um, so I'm, I'm getting inquiries in lots of different perspectives uh, uh, every single day. But I do want to mention uh, for a moment, uh, you mentioned Canada, which is one of my favorite countries. Yay! I go, I go, look, I go clear back to the 1980s when uh, Reagan was president and George Herbert Walker Bush, the old Bush, if you will, uh, was vice president. Herbert Walker Bush invited me over to his office and we sat down and we drafted the first free trade agreement with Canada and the United States. 
Later, that became the North American Free Trade Agreement. NAFTA. Um, and in Schedule B, I worked out Schedule B of the North American Free Trade Agreement to include uh, travel and tourism. Wow. So I spent a lot of time in Ottawa, for sure. Well, that's uh, brilliant. In those early days. Well, uh, thank you for Canada, doing... Canada has, yeah. Thank you for doing Canada good. Canada has done more. Yeah. Well, Canada has done more with respect to protecting the environment and sustainable tourism than uh, probably any single country uh, in the world. Well, um, thank you. They've led international conferences and so forth. Uh, and uh, last year when I was up in Canada and on Prince uh, Edward's Island, uh, I was greatly impressed with what they have done uh, uh, on, on that island as far as sustainability is concerned. Big shout out to PEI then. We have a friend in common, uh, Bonnie Cagos, who's in New York City. New York is a, is a destination for many Canadians, you know, and, and everybody from around the world. I mean, it's a bit of a magnet. New York must be suffering terribly. I mean, so many hotels, so many jobs, so many restaurants. We forget about when we say tourism, it really has ripples throughout all segments of the economy, including the manufacturing of sheets, including um, health care for workers who work in the... It's incredible, isn't it? The food industry, people forget, uh, you know, the, the, you, you can have um, food for the tourists, uh, you've got to have transportation uh, available. So many industries that are dependent on tourism, we're not constructing uh, new buildings uh, for travel and tourism right now. Uh, airlines, uh, we've got to have airlines to get to the destinations, and that's not happening. Um, I've canceled Oh, uh, four, I guess four trips just for this year alone, uh, uh, Spain being w- one of those. Uh, but um, in any case, um, yeah, the travel and tourism industry flows through lots of other industries. You can't have one without the other uh, in a quality way un- unless uh, we've planned for it. And, and that whole aspect of management and planning is key in the travel and tourism industry. And even just travel writing, there's a whole segment of, of, of us who, who write about travel. And, and I'm thinking about even Bonnie, I mean, how important it is for her to come to Manitoulin Island and for her stories about Manitoulin to reach uh, ears who say, I should go there or I love it there. Uh, David, let's go to the future, okay? Uh, I've been uh-huh. in a number of hotels lately, and I don't even see... I sometimes only see one person. Sometimes I see none. Your registration, your key, your access is either sent to you electronically. Uh, there might be something to pick up at the front desk with your name on it. But seriously, I see no where hotels were a place where you went to be pampered or you went to be welcomed. Now it's become very, very um, antiseptic. And, and I realize because of COVID we're doing that, but this will have ripples for years. It will. Our hotels have become very sterile in that respect, except for specific uh, resorts or except for specific sustainable tourism locations. Uh, Many of our hotels uh, have changed with the technology, and uh, no longer do we have that people-to-people contact that, that has been so important to the tourism industry. There's no industry, in my view, depends more on people contact than in the travel and tourism industry and we're losing a lot of that but uh, we were we were uh, we were so it, things were changing so positively for example if you flew into um let's say new orleans you could uh, actually through one of like airbnb was doing this thing where you could actually do 
activities where you could link up with a local person who would maybe take you to their favorite restaurant or take you to a cooking class or take you to the art gallery or be involved. We were developing a true global perspective on being global citizens instead of just flying in, taking pictures of the place and running home with those pictures to put up on the screen for our friends or or, or Instagram, I guess. Um, we can talk about that in a minute. But tourism was changing so wonderfully. I, I, I go back to my example of uh, G-Tours uh, or G-Adventures so with Bruce Buntip and others. Things were wonderful and then it all crashed. What What do you think... What do you think is going to happen next? How is this? We talked about the sterile hotels. We talk, How are we? Now there's a vaccine out how, or vaccines. Yeah. How, how is that going to change everything? Well, uh, what's going to change it is uh, the demand. The younger generations are demanding uh, more sustainability in their destinations, uh, more adventure, uh, doing more things. And even that... Uh, uh, older generation, they're healthier, they're more active. So the demand for uh, the quality tourism product is, is going to change uh, some of what's happening in the tourism in industry. Now, with respect to business travel, yes, oh. that's probably going to continue to be more uh, efficient and more technology-driven. But there's the whole... Uh, leisure market that I think is going to uh, demand uh, greater quality and uh, sustainability, and I think uh, I think we're going to see that in the future. I think about Costa Rica and places like Costa Rica that you know have the uh, uh, through the tangle of the canopy, the the the, the wires that you can just you know. S- you stream through the forest without destroying the forest floor. The the various canopy tours that exist, the the trips to waterfalls that are are done on perhaps uh, electric vehicles. That hey, so many good things can happen out of this. Is it going to though affect the middle class more than those who have less? I'm just I'm my concern is that the, a lot of the people who have limited resources will really stop traveling. I think you're right. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I, the the major uh, group of people is the middle class as far as the travel and tourism industry is concerned because uh, a lot of other travelers are simply business travelers. Um, so, we're, you know, there's going to be some changes, but... Um, Still, you're going to have a lot of domestic tourism. You know, the United States, like many other countries, we're in love with our automobiles. So everybody, um, my neighbor, uh, his brother just drove all the way from California to come and see him at Thanksgiving time. And um, gosh, that was a three-day adventure on the roads, but he was going to make that trip. So um, uh, we're going to see that continue. We're going to see a lot of domestic tourism continue, but international tourism certainly is is uh, going to change a lot. But it, and, it, uh, really, think, yeah. it really does, though, create a global citizen when you, you connect with people from different languages, different cultures. Uh, although I realize even within American cities, there are, there are uh, enclaves of people and there's different restaurants. and they, We've become very global in our cuisine, for one. But, uh, you know, David, 
in in how are we going to so here you are now retired and writing books how do we educate how are you educating how are you transferring knowledge to the new generation of educators in tourism in two ways and and one sort of responding to the globalism of uh, travel tourism industry in uh, one of my um, recent books um, I did a, a case study and chapter on um, the fact that I still think we need an international language. You know, I know that uh, we Esperanto. tried. Esperanto, uh, yes. Yeah, we tried. And there's still a couple million people speaking uh, Esperanto. I'm convinced that in today's world with the, uh, the linguistic experts we have, the technology we have, that we could develop a non-complicated, non-country-based uh, language uh, such that uh, one will speak English or French or, or whatever the language might be, but when they travel, they could uh, speak this uh, international language with not the irregular verbs, not the complications you have with a culture-based language, and uh, could, could, uh, could communicate better. Um, and I'm a good example of not being bilingual of traveling around the world and, and uh, entering into trade negotiations and, and so forth with different countries and how wonderful would have been if during those negotiations we could have switched to an international language. Which creates less done. conflict and more collaborative experiences. David, you're, right. still a, you're still a young man. It's, it's time for you to maybe to take up uh, Mandarin or, or, or Spanish or German or French or, or, or I'm just, or you could do a, 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 maybe a more regional language like Cake Swahili. Uh, you're still a young man. Well, I, I, I continue to work on Spanish. Uh, now, I can travel through Latin America and they accept all of my mistakes and so forth in Spanish. <laughs> I did get called out that when I was in Spain. I don't speak the Castilian Spanish of Spain. I, uh, my Spanish is, is not that good, but uh, it, gets, it gets me by all right, all right in uh, Mexico and, and down through Latin America. They just say, we're just happy you're, you're working on it. Uh, you're and, attempting, uh, yes. Yeah, David. So um, I'll continue. To David, do, let's to let's do that. let's get the titles of your books. Uh, let's put it out there. Uh, tell us what what the names of your books are. The most recent book and the one that uh, has been published uh, out of London. Uh, Rutledge is my publisher, and they've been my publisher for several years out of out of London. So it gets into an international uh, market, and that book is managing sustainable tourism: a legacy for the future. And my concept of a legacy for the future, and I, I usually start the book out with a quote that says, we have not inherited the earth from our ancestors, we have only borrowed it from our children. Mm. So, you know, we, we don't own that. Uh, our children are the ones that are going to uh, make those changes and so forth in the future. So uh, that's my most recent uh, book, and, and uh, it covers all the broad ramifications and so forth of the travel and tourism industry from a sustainable tourism perspective. And then uh, prior to that, in 2019, um, I co-authored a book uh, on uh, uh, tourism policy and planning yesterday, today, and tomorrow, looking at the things that we can do 
from a policy perspective throughout the world. Uh, that book was popular, and, and the Chinese uh, wanted to um, translate it into Chinese, so uh, the publisher said, well, to do that, uh, you have to buy 3,000 copies of the book. So I now have uh, books in Chinese. <laughs> that's marvelous. Uh, the, the books have always been translated into Spanish and so forth, but that's my first uh, book being translated into Chinese. The current book I'm working on is The Worldly Travelers, and this is one I'm really having a lot of fun with. Well, brilliant. We look forward to Do you have a prediction date for publication? Well, just um, a few moments before we started this interview, I uh, was uh, on the phone and uh, computer with my editor, and we think the book's going to be edited, uh, fully edited by the end of this year, and go into publishing. Uh, hopefully uh, early in January. Well, we'll, um, look, we'll look for it. at our. Uh, I'm sure we'll find it on, on many of the platforms that are out there. I want to thank Dr. David Edgel. He is a Emeritus Professor of Trade, Tourism, and Economic Development. He uh, is a research scholar for the Center at the Center for Sustainable Tourism at East Carolina University and a charter member of the International Academy uh, for the Study of Tourism. David, thank you so much for appearing today on QOL. Thank you. It was my pleasure, and any time uh, you'd like to uh, continue on some other topics with respect to travel and tourism, please just give me a call. Will do. Thank you so much. This has been QOL, and uh, as you know, it, well, it appears at uh, 96.7 on your FM dial. You can, of course, go to podcast. Just Google my name, Hugh Cruzel, and the word podcast, and you can find a whole archive of information available for you at your convenience, 365. Bye for now, folks.